Coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. As soon as we walk in the building, they take me into a room with four Turkish officers and they immediately take my belongings, my passport and my cell phone. They make me open my cell phone and hand it over. Mm -hmm. And I'm alone in a room with these four men. I don't know where they took row and I am in Turkey and I'm in Turkey and they start interrogating me. And I don't even know what the right and wrong answers are to any of the questions because I'm thinking, I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know how to answer these questions. And they're going through my phone. They're looking at all of my social media. They're looking at all of my messages. It's just a moment that you would have never imagined yourself being in. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And we just wrapped up an episode with Carrie Grace and we had to hop on another one because she's ridiculous. I just love her so much. And she has so much wisdom to share. So we figured we would do one specifically on fear because fear has gripped so many of us, me included. And so she's going to start with telling us a story and it's a true story. And I want you to get ready to be in the moment with her. And then she's going to unpack going backward, how she got out of fear. Well, um, this particular story, I had been in Iraq working with the victims um, of ISIS who had been rescued. And so we have amazing teams that were doing underground rescues. It was just incredible. Um, they had been able to rescue over 500 women and children and, the problem was when they were being rescued, they were placing them in refugee camps. And if you can imagine what they had endured, the torture, the just horrific things that these, yeah. these women had been through chronic rapes. And then they, you know, the risk that the, these underground networks were taking to rescue the women out was yeah. great risk to their lives, finally get them into a safe place, into the refugee camps. And the women were committing suicide. They had no trauma care and they didn't know how to handle, you know, the trauma that they had endured. And so that's when, um, the freedom shield team came and asked me, I was actually running another nonprofit at the time. And they were like, would you go to Iraq with us? And, and they had seen the work we'd been able to do here and wanted to know if I could maybe set up some of those, um, stabilization programs and, and support networks within a refugee camp. Well, I had no idea if I could or not, but so in uh, our last episode, <laughs> if you didn't hear it, she's cute, vanilla pastor's wife, like adorable mom, homeschooling kids, homeschooling my kids. Yeah. Ends up meeting these three strippers. And then that starts a journey, starts a nonprofit. And now this organization has approached her still the soccer mom, still that yeah, lady. And now, just, okay. So yeah. now we're here and they, and they asked me, you know, would I be willing to go to Iraq and you know, I'm literally on my face telling God, I know you have someone better to do this than me. Like I am not Surely. your first pick. I'm, I'm even suggesting to him. I was like, have you talked to Christine Kane from a 21? Because I'm pretty sure that's probably who you were trying to get. And I, I, there was nothing in me that felt qualified to be the person to go. And especially when I was hearing, you know, the horrific stories and they're committing suicide. And that was just like, 
I can't, I don't know that I have what it takes to help them. So I'm on my face and I'm telling God all this in case he didn't know. And he just responded to me and he said, I just need you to bring my presence. Mm. And that's when I realized it had nothing to do with my experience, my credentials, nothing to do with me. It was about, will you be willing to carry my presence into that camp? Because that's what they need. And I said, I can do that. So it started a journey of traveling to Iraq. Um, I have a lot of adventures. We could tell a lot of stories from my time there. Yes. <laughs> I learned a lot. And um, so I was traveling with the Freedom Shield team on one particular trip. Um, they had shut down the airport in Erbil where we were always able to you know, fly in and out. So we were going to have to drive to the border of Turkey, get across you know, through vehicles, and then catch a flight. So we were going to have to now you know, just travel by car, get across the border, um, so we get to the border and we're still in Iraq and we have to go through all of these different checkpoints. There were probably six different checkpoints just to get across into Turkey. Whoa. So of course I'm traveling with Roe at the time. We don't speak the language. Um, we're just having to try to figure it out as we go to get across. And every time we would stop at a checkpoint, they would make everyone get out of the van. We were traveling with some Iraqi businessmen. They were headed to Turkey as well to catch flights. And me, I'm the only female um, on the bus. And so <laughs> there's always that dynamic. And you blend in real and well. And I just blend in really well in Iraq. I don't stand out at all <laughs> since I'm 5'10". Um, <laughs> so there's that dynamic. So we get out and every single time you have to hand over your luggage, hand over your passport, and they take off with it. They run to, you know, this checkpoint, whatever people that are checking everything. And then they run back and give you back your belongings. You get back on the van, drive, maybe a football field's link to the next checkpoint, oh get gosh. out, do it all again. So we're at the final checkpoint and they, you know, take our things and they say to us, we're sorry, you have to go into the police station. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on? Just so immediately they take me in and they separate Ro and myself. As soon as we walk in the building, they take me into a room with four um, Turkish officers and um, they immediately take my belongings, my passport and my cell phone. They make me open my cell phone and hand it over. Mm -hmm. And I'm alone in a room with these four men I don't know where they took Roe and I am in Turkey and I'm in Turkey and they start interrogating me. And I don't even know what the right and wrong answers are to any of the questions because I'm thinking, I don't know what they're looking for. So I don't know. I don't know how to answer these questions. And they're going through my phone. They're looking at all of my social media. They're looking at all of my messages and uh, it's just a moment that you would have never imagined yourself being in. Um, and it was, it was definitely a moment that I'm praying the whole time going, oh, yeah. and I don't even know what to pray. I'm just saying, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. And, and I don't know, like, what's my next move? I have no idea. So I'm in there for probably 30, 45 minutes. They're asking me questions and then they say, okay, you know, take her out. I don't know where they're taking me and, and they're bringing Ro in. And I'm saying to Ro, like we're passing each other. And the only thing I can tell him is they're going to take your cell phone because I knew he probably has some things on his cell phone that he might want to, you know, get off. 
as quickly as possible. And so he's walking in and they take me out. And again, I have no idea what's, what's going to happen next. We were there for three hours and um, being interrogated. And, and just so, you know, I I'm like, I'm from Martins mill, Texas. All right. We don't even have a population sign where I'm from. Like I, <laughs> It's like small town girl. You don't have espionage I, I've never been trained in any of this. And I am like, you know, what, what do you do? And I'm trying to think of what people did in the movies, because that's really all. So, and that's what I did. And I'm like, I'm not giving them any information. And now all the guys on the freedom shield team know, like if I get tortured, I'm probably going to give up information. So <laughs> don't tell me anything important, but it was just a moment of going, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do other than what I've seen in the movies, which is don't give them any information that makes you seem like, you know, something that would be worth torturing you over. So mm-hmm. that was really my, my baseline goal. It's a good goal. Um, and so as they move me out of that room, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to hold me. I don't know if I'm going to prison. I have no clue. I'm in Turkey. I don't have my passport. I don't have a cell phone. I I don't have any of my belongings and I'm just there. Mm. And during that time, it's like, okay, there are a lot of options of things that could happen to me right now. I don't really know what's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. All I know is to call in the name of Jesus. Mm. And in that moment, there's just, that's what brings you peace. It's not I have a great strategy or I have this background. So I know how to, you know, get myself out of this situation. I have any of that to rule. <laughs> and you, but you know, there's a piece that comes when you just know, like Jesus has got me. He didn't bring me here for no reason, whatever happens, he's going to be with me. Yeah. And I can't even tell you to go from the girl that was plagued with fear to sitting in this Turkish police station and they bring in Turkish intelligence officers. I mean, like it was the whole nine yards. I I don't know how to tell you other than God took fear out of me and I couldn't have gone from where I was into this moment and not been completely, you know, terrorized, but I wasn't, I was stable. I was calm. And I, I, not perfect inside. I was like calling out Jesus's name nonstop. So I don't want you to think like, Oh my gosh, she's whatever. I'm not, I was still calling on Jesus, but these are moments that I would not change. I would, Mm -hmm. I don't regret, um, having gone on that trip. I don't regret the -hmm. fact that, you know, it landed me in this situation. We were able to obviously get out. Um, I think that was Rose skills more than it was mine, but I will say that they did tell him afterwards. They were like, she was really good. She didn't give us any information at all. I was like, Hey, if you need me to train all of the guys in um, how to go through interrogation, I feel like I I've got some experience. I'm qualified now. (laughs) They haven't taken me up on that, but um, I still feel kind of confident, but you know, I, I was sharing this with Shannon. I was probably I, maybe five years old. I don't really know the time frame, but as a five-year-old little girl, um, my father was, was just a very difficult man and, uh, had a lot of his own issues. And so I had been targeted by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two sisters and I was the middle and for whatever reason, I was the one that he, he kind of, you know, did a lot of things too. And, and, and in that process of being completely terrified, of my father. Mm -hmm. And I remember in particular being, you know, locked in closets and, and just left there. And, you know, when you're this tiny little person, you don't know, like, why am I being locked in the closet? My sisters aren't locked up. 
how long am I going to be left here? I can't breathe. Like I would literally be fighting so hard to get out and, and finally would just hyperventilate and pass out in that closet. And I remember just the fear that came into me at such a young age. I didn't know life before fear. I don't remember what it was like to not have that fear. Mm -hmm. And, and just, you know, I carried that my whole life and it was not until God came and took that out of me that I could live a life where I'm not afraid anymore. You know, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy, but it's like, but I have Jesus and he told me that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if I really believe that, then what do I have to fear? Mm-hmm. And I've walked through, you know, cancer. I've walked through mm-hmm. lots of different things in my line of work. And I don't, I don't let fear speak to me and keep me from, from doing the things that God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And did that just happen with willpower alone? Or was that was a bit of a journey? Cause was, I've dealt with stuff journey. and I'll hear that and be like, well, that's great. I will try harder and yeah. then fail some more. No. So what was that journey? Like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I was carrying. And, mm-hmm. um, and many of you out there may not know the things that you may yeah, be carrying. I didn't know. I didn't even know to label it fear. I thought it was normal. I, I thought it was, mm-hmm. I thought hypervigilance was like a virtue. A superpower. <laughs> I thought it was just, you know, just, I was super alert and I was, you know, I was going to take care of, I was going to pay attention to my surroundings constantly. I didn't know that that was fear because for me that felt normal. Yeah. And I remember one day in particular, I was out running. I love to run. And I tell people I did a lot of things with a a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. So I didn't completely stop living my life, but I dealt with such anxiety and fear all the time with just doing normal, basic things that people do every day. And I can't even describe to you the booby traps I would set at my doors. If my husband was down, like I was rigging up some stuff because of the fear that drove me to do that. And one particular day I was out running. And it's, I mean, it's morning. There's nothing, you know, I wasn't running at night or at some risky time and I'm running my normal route. And as I was running, there was a a truck of men, they were, you know, probably going to work and they were just, you know, yelling and, and whistling and different things. And I can't tell you what came over me in that moment. It was, I was terrified. My heart was racing and I was so fearful of what might happen to me. And I could visualize all of these things at the truck turning around and them coming back and just all these things and stuff that had happened to me as a teenager mm-hmm. opened me up to a, a fear of men. Yeah. Um, not only because of my dad, but <laughs> just mm-hmm. things that had happened. Yeah. Just a and, normal response for trauma survivors. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. just what you do. And so as I'm running, there's one particular part of my route. And again, I didn't turn around and go home. I kept but I ran with so much fear and, um, and I, there's one part of the route where it was just kind of like the trees kind of covered. It's the most beautiful part. Mm -hmm. It's shaded. It's wonderful. And I was running so fast to get out of it Mm -hmm. because I was so afraid of, of what if someone, you know, were hiding and, and I, I just happened to ask the Lord that day, what is this? Why do I feel this? And, you know, most people are, their heart rates up because they're running I was, I was running so fast because of the fear. It was, you know, that was what was driving this. And he showed me 
a school bus. Immediately, I saw this vision of a school bus. And I remembered something I had blocked for years of being molested on a school bus. Mm. And he told me that's when this particular fear came into you. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't remember. I'd like, and I remember getting off the school bus and going to school like it was a normal day. I didn't tell anyone what happened to me. I just, just dealt with it, went on like it was a normal thing. Yeah. And yet that had grown this whole network of fear in me from yeah. one incident. That's just one, but that was what he showed me, pinpointed that. Yeah. And I knew in that moment, I'm not like this for no reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that I feel what I feel. And he validated that to me. Let me pause you. So if anybody's listening and you've had stuff and you're like, why do I act like that? Where's that response coming from? We just want to validate, normalize that you may not yet have memories, but you can start asking the Lord. And even if you don't necessarily know who God is, like he does respond Mm -hmm. and then thoughts will pop in your mind or memories or emotions may come back. But we just really want to normalize that if you've ever had that experience where you're like, why am I acting like this? Am I crazy? Um, you don't have to live like that. And if you start peeling the layers back, like what she's about to describe, I just want to just honor your heart and that God is the God who validates you. He sees you and knows you, whatever projections of past authority figures or pastors or fathers or whomever of the past, God is not like that. God is very honoring and patient and gentle, willing to sacrifice himself to be crucified in your place so that you can have redemption. Uh, So I just wanted to pause because I know some people might hear that. And some of these words might be a little triggering in your own story, Um, but go ahead. And I love that because he, God was nothing like what I thought he was. Mm -hmm. I was, I was so terrified of God. Um, And I didn't, I didn't understand the dynamic of, you know, people would sing good, good father. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't have a a way of relating to God as father Mm -hmm. and that being positive. I just didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that he was very scary to me. He was a punisher. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never measured up. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt with God. And so, um, in that moment, that was kind of a catalyst for me of recognizing, wait a minute, this, all of this stuff that's playing in my mind, it came in at a point for a reason. And, and something about having that knowledge, the information helped me to go, okay, well now I understand myself better. And sometimes that, that does wonders for us just to understand. Um, from that point, I, I tell people all the time, God, He doesn't always let us remember everything Mm. until it's safe for us to be able to remember things. And so I don't encourage people like go try to dig up some trauma and figure out like, don't go dig up trauma. Like the Lord will bring those things when he's given you the support system around you and, and, um, the safe place for you to be able to, to deal with it. He doesn't expose things just to expose it. He exposes it because he wants to heal it. That's how good he is. And he knows the timing and he knows the, um, what you need to be able to walk through things. And so if he brings something up to you, it's because he plans on dealing with it. Mm. Um, he's not going to just let you writhe in, you know, in, in the pain or the discomfort of, of memories. 
And so I appreciate the grace that covers things until we're at a place to handle it. Mm -hmm. And he started that journey with me. That was the first day of of beginning to walk through healing Mm -hmm. of past trauma. And so much of the fear that I carried was steeped in all of those moments of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cool thing is <laughs> I, um, as I, again, my, my journey has a lot of different stories, um, in it, but I end up several years after that incident, I end up pregnant with twins, ended up getting cancer through that, which was horrific. I lost the twins and now I had cancer and it was, I was so disillusioned. I was so mad at God. I didn't understand any of what was happening and I blamed him. And I felt like he was not a protector. He was not a good father. I mean, again, like all the accusations were coming at God and, um, I got to go on this particular retreat and they were like, okay, today you're going to go out in the woods and have a vow of silence and a time with God. And, I was like, that's not what my day is going to be like. I'm going to tell him everything I think about him right now. And I did. I said everything out loud with my voice to God that I didn't understand that I was mad or frustrated about everything that had happened that I felt weak or powerless or confused. I said it all to him. I got it all out. and, And I literally was like, okay, I'm done. Like I said, everything, I I don't think I'd ever done that. I said it all out loud to him. And when I was done, he started talking Mm -hmm. and he, it was like a download, like with a computer where all of a sudden he's just showing me like when you were 15, this one particular thing happened to you. And you immediately thought that that was me punishing you. Mm -hmm. So you never tried to fight back because you figured you should just take it. And that wasn't me. I'm not a cruel father. I don't do that to my children. I didn't know that because of the father that I had, I had no way of understanding. And he told me, you've never even engaged in spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. because you always assume it's me. And in that moment, I think a lot of people, (laughs) I started, it was like, all of these stories and scenarios in my life started getting reframed. And I was like, that wasn't him. And then I saw the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. If you have something in your life that fits in a category of kill, steal, or destroy, that's from the enemy. That is not from your father. Mm -hmm. He came to give you life to the full. I just didn't get it until that day. So in that moment, everything starts getting reframed for me. And then it was like, he just took fear out of me because fear, if you read in John's letter, he Mm -hmm. said, fear has to do with punishment Mm -hmm. and perfect love cast out fear. I didn't get it. I've read these things a million times, but it didn't mean anything to me because I was carrying fear around, but he took fear out of me and he replaced it with his Holy spirit with his love, with his peace. And it was so tangible that I literally felt lightheaded because it was like all of this stuff came out of my head that I had been constantly playing. And I experienced peace for the Mm. first time in my life. And I knew then I've never known this. And I was like, are other people walking around like this all the time? And no one told me like, I didn't know. 
And I knew, I don't know if I know how to hold on to this yet, but I've, I've tasted it now and I know the difference yeah. and I can get back to this. If I, if I lose my way, I know now what it feels like. And before I didn't even know. And so I just want to encourage you that like he, he knows how to heal our broken hearts. He knows how to set captives free. He knows how to release prisoners from darkness. He knows Mm -hmm. what he's doing. And he did it for me. And it wasn't because I knew what to ask for. I didn't go to like Mm -hmm. deliverance. I didn't even know that I had fear. Mm -hmm. I didn't figure it out. I didn't have a formula. He just did it. And that's how good he is. And so I couldn't live the life that I live if I still had that spirit of fear speaking to me constantly. Right. There's no way. And and I've had to walk through things since then that were hard things, but the spirit of fear didn't speak to me. It didn't have power over me. Anyway. It may try. Yeah. It just doesn't have any authority anymore. It doesn't stop me. And that's because of God. It's again, I didn't know how to even get myself out of that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's truly, he's that good. So yes. good. Can yes. you just release that mm. removal of fear and that boldness yes. over me and all the audience? Yes. Father, you are so good. And I know what you're capable of doing for the least of these, because you did it for me. So father, right now, I don't know where everybody's at and what they have walked through, what they have maybe, um, they don't even know yet that you want to speak to and heal God. You tell us that the truth sets us free. So I just want to release your truth right now into everyone's lives that are listening I release your truth, God, that you would reframe the things that the enemy came to do that were attributed to you or attributed to themselves. They saw themselves as the reason that those things happened. God, I pray that you just speak your truth and that you release and um, release the bondage right now that is created by fear. God, I pray that every person could run the race that you set out for them to run and that they would throw off everything that entangles them and the things that slow them down, God, that you would just release them from that, that fear has no place. It has no power. It has no voice in their lives, God, and that you would begin to just download your vision, your plan for their lives, God, and that they would run with boldness and with freedom in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye guys. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the greater calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.